friends, Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast. The podcast for IT professionals everywhere. If you are providing IT support for businesses, enterprise, this is the show for you. We try to share as much as we can, everything from products, stories, and tips, all in an effort to help you do your jobs better, smarter, and faster. Tonight, I have with me for the second time, my good friend, hopefully, she'll feel that way after we're done here, uh, Anya Khan from Rise Visible. Anya, how are you? I'm good. Nice to be here. All right. So folks, those of you that are keeping up with the podcast in real time, she was my last guest on episode 455. If you're listening out of order, shame on you. Go back and listen to that episode. But if you're watching live tonight, don't don't stop now because we got a live show and uh, we're going to get right to it. So Anya is going to sit with me through the news. And I guess the first thing we should do is talk about the fact that, yes, we are live, even though Hurricane Nicole is off the coast. And I've got a screen up on the screen if you are watching the video. This is one of the sites that I recommend that people always go to to follow hurricanes and severe weather when we talk about this type of stuff here in the state of Florida. And as you can see, Nicole is basically straight off the coast. Uh, they're a little bit north of us. Fort Lauderdale is down here, so the center of Nicole is northeast of us. It is right now a hurricane. So if we put the hurricane stuff on top there, you'll see that at 7 p.m., there it was, and uh, moving in a northwesterly pattern. It is due to hit landfall near Vero, Port St. Lucie, Fort Pierce. I do have a client there, so they are shut down. Vero Beach, and that is just the middle of the cone. Now, as we learned last time with Hurricane Ian, well, I didn't learn this. Those of you that are new to hurricanes, like OMG Mike, our good friend Mike Smith, uh, learned that there's wobbles in hurricanes, and you have to account for the entire cone. So this cone could go as high as Palm Bay, Florida, which would affect my mom, who lives in Melbourne, Florida, who we just learned tonight, Anya, you have family also in Melbourne. I do. Yes. Uh, but it could come down as low as just north of Palm Beach, Jupiter, Tequesta, in which case we would... Uh, still have a lot of wind and rain down here. But the further north it goes, the less impact we'll have, which is why I'm still here recording now because it's far enough away that we still have power and the winds are low and we will continue to do that. And if the power goes out, you'll know why. But here we are there. So that is our first news story for this evening. Uh, if you are in the managed services space, or you are a vendor in what we call the channel, if you have not heard this news by now, I don't know what is wrong with you because everybody has basically been talking about this since Monday. Let me add this here, get her back in here. But the story of the channel, passionate MSP channel chief Rob Ray has left Datto. And it was sudden, it was abrupt, although very much speculated. A lot of people talking about this when uh, things started to happen. So 
Rob Ray has left Datto. There is no news on where he is going next. So, of course, the search is on and the speculation is on where will Rob Ray end up. I did heard or I did hear. Wow, that was bad English. I did hear from a friend. Rob Ray was seen vacationing in Denver during the PAX 8 event. Now, I obviously don't want to speculate, put words in people's mouths or anything and say that that's where Rob Ray is going. I'm just saying that's where he has been seen. Now, I, along with every other podcaster, news media, has reached out to Rob and he has ghosted us at ghosted us all. And I'm sure that there's a reason for that. He's probably the most known speaker at Channel Partner Events. Uh, he has been in the channel for nine years, basically since the start of Datto. I will have links to the two stories. I don't know why they don't say anything except for he's gone and nobody knows where he's going. So have fun, folks. Chat about that. And we'll see where he ends up. Now, I also, since we have not done a Florida man story in quite a long time, and I did not subject Anya tonight to the Florida man versus the world challenge, but I do have to say that because this story has made so much news today, every local station, even radio host announcers, sports media hosts talked about this, but here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, the U.S. Transportation Security Administration caught an air traveler who allegedly stashed a firearm inside a raw chicken to get it through security checkpoints. Yes, folks, a full handgun was stuck inside of an uncooked chicken, which apparently it is legal to bring an uncooked chicken onto an airport, uh, into an airplane. So... Uh, and of course, all the funds, you know, the puns were started. Uh, we hate to break it to you here, but stuffing a firearm in your holiday bird for travel is just a waste of time. Uh, also, this idea wasn't even half baked. Uh, besides the horrible puns, yeah, that was the story of the internet today, folks. Right here, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, trying to smuggle a gun inside of a chicken. And, uh, that's going to do it for our news today, folks. So, Anya. I have so many questions. Well, ask away. Wow. That, that, that was interesting. Yes. Wasn't expecting that. Most people don't when it comes to Florida man. So it is fun. All right. So, Anya, before we get on to our discussion with you, let me go ahead and uh, let's pay some bills and uh, we'll get by right Right back to the show. You're listening to the IT Business Podcast, the podcast for every IT professional. IT Business Podcast is presented by NetAlly, the number one ally of network professionals everywhere. Live stream funded by Computers Done Right. And thank you to our partners, Tom Bull, Kyle Kenyon, Clark Stockdale, and Synchro. All right, folks, once again, joined by Anya Khan with Rise Visible. Anya, welcome back to the show. Uh, glad you decided to come back and face all this music. Hey, I'm very glad to be here. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. So we'll do a quick recap for those that have not uh, gone back and listened to the to the episode 455, but we won't 
go too far into it because we want them to go back and listen. But the bottom line is you are a female business owner, a female in tech, and a female with a disability. And uh, what I thought was a trifecta of, <laughs> of names, but you actually revealed that you have multiple disabilities that you're dealing with, all with letters that I, I really messed up. I know that one is EDS and one is POTS, not having anything to do with 420 um, and some others there. So let's quickly describe to the audience what those were and give a quick background as to how you, you got going here. Sure. So the quick background of how I got into what I'm doing now is I really didn't plan to do it. I was not geared in from high school and said, ah, I want to be where I am today. I wanted to be a therapist, which is a far cry from what I do currently. But then kind of like we talked about last time, I kind of feel like I need therapy sometimes after dealing with clients. <laughs> so <laughs> and sometimes I feel like a therapist for my clients. But what happened is I moved out of Michigan. I moved to St. Louis, Missouri. The idea was to go to college and to become a therapist. And while I was there, I started a job and on my first day of my new job, I heard within about an hour screaming from the back from the break room. And I went back there, obviously curious and concerned, and it was 9-11. And at that point, I had only been in this office for no less than an hour. I was very uncomfortable. I was in a new state and I just asked to leave. I said, I, I'm going to leave now. And I left and I didn't return. I went and volunteered at the Red Cross and then I had to figure out what I was going to do with my life because there were not really any jobs available. Um, after 9-11, there was a big shift in employment and you know, people who had their jobs really tried their best to hold them. And those looking for jobs, it was difficult. So I started thinking outside the box. I was given a computer back in 1998. I had done website design graphic design, all of this stuff for fun for years up till that point, never thought of it as an option to make money on it, really. I mean, I made a little here and there, but not like, oh, this could be my sole income. And I was also dealing with health challenges. And with 9-11 being so intense, I felt that it impacted my stress level because I just went through a very intense move. My mom was diagnosed with cancer and then, you know, jobless. And so my nervous system had a hard time and I was already having health issues. So I was up against health issues that no one can really figure out, no ability to really make any income, took what I knew, went to an agency, got a opportunity to get an interview, no clue how. I, I had a friend of a friend, that's about all I know. But when I walked in, they were very kind and they just said, come back. <laughs> so I realized my portfolio was not good and I leaned into a solopreneurship. I did it on my own and continued to forge that way until today. And the diseases that I deal with are EDS, which is Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, um, MCAS, so it's um, mast cell activation syndrome, POTS, which is post-orthostatic tachycardia. I have PTSD and I have dysautonomia and a plethora of other genetic mishaps. It's, it's a hodgepodge of nonsense. And it was a very, very difficult thing over the last 
numerous years trying to deal with it because doctors repetitively told nothing wrong with you. We can't find anything wrong with you. And understand that these diseases are not common. So it, it, it is very much an anomaly. I'm not, you know, like, oh yeah, she has diabetes. I mean, these diseases are complicated and strange and hard to pin down. And I only got my first diagnosis, uh, 2018 and got on the right medication that I went from numerous allergic reactions a day down to a couple of months. And then it was only July of 2021 that I got my EDS diagnosis. And that is the umbrella of all the other problems. So the EDS, Ehlers-Danlos, is what really causes all the other issues. And that was a, an awakening. And I really decided at that point, it, it was something I had to really step into and go, yep, I'm somebody with a disability and I can't, can't avoid it. This is, this is my lot in life. <laughs> gotta, gotta figure out a way to deal with it. Yeah. So I, I love that you are now able to, you know, share your story and uh, still be very positive about this because you, you spent many years kind of on this uphill battle. And while we're going to focus on the business ownership tech side of it, I mean, you were doing this with life in general, just, you know, being called crazy is not an easy thing to deal with. And you plowed through it for, for lack of a better phrase. Um, I mean, very friends, well. friends, family, doctors, I mean, you know, not to call out friends and family, but you know, they get to a point where if professionals are continually telling you there's nothing wrong with you and getting annoyed by you, and then you're seeking other doctors and then you're now being, you know, called a, a difficult patient. It's hard for your friends and family over, over numerous years. We're talking, you know, decades of time. It's not like, oh, it's been three years. I mean, it's long periods of time. You know, they kind of start wondering like, okay, well, you know, maybe, maybe you're the crazy one. And then you don't even have your friends and family supporting you. And that's, that's a rough road. Yeah. So one of the reasons I, I wanted to have you on the show is I'd like to give a different perspective from, you know, the tech world and a lot of the people that are listeners of this show are business owners. A lot of them are solo technicians running their shop. A lot of them are, are managing people and we go through our own challenges of what we think is difficult. I was set to share stories tonight about how, you know, me being on the phone with customer service reps was just, I almost want to say like hell today, <laughs> but you know, but the mindset to push through that sort of stuff is nothing like the mindset you had to go through, not just with that, but, you know, it sounds like you needed to do a lot of this with the business side as well. So uh, tell me about your mindset throughout this whole process. So my mindset, I think I learned early on in life because I also came from um, a very violent home environment. I think that having resilience was something that was kind of something I learned early. And so being resilient through those um, really difficult childhood years, but then having this other thing with my health, I was bullied and teased. So I had that, you know, I had a lot of things up against me. And I think just within myself, I think I had so much belief in myself that I just really became somebody that was tenacious and came became somebody who really just had to walk to the beat of my own drum because I wasn't going to fit in. Even in high school, I didn't really have a group. 
I just kind of was my own person. And when you go through all this and you can't really identify with an able-bodied world or you come from a very dysfunctional family or your, you know, your body is like, you know, not participating, you know, the way that you want it to be, you have to either give up, give in, or you have to get up. And one of my biggest, one of my biggest, like, I guess, uh, proverbs that I keep in my mind is fall down seven times, get up eight. And that's a Japanese proverb. Now, don't get me wrong. I have my downtimes and I have moments, but I just don't feel the need to give in because I think I have a belief inside myself that I know what's going on. And so many people that go through challenges, it doesn't matter if they're health, work challenges. We go through these times where we we're not really sure about ourselves. And, and, you know, we go through imposter syndrome or we go through these moments where we're like, we're not sure, but there are moments in time where it's life and death and you have to be sure of yourself. Like I'm on my deathbed. I am having no one listening to me. I have to be sure within myself. So my mindset is just really this get back up. I'm going to fall down. I'm going to fall down because I have EDS and I'm going to fall down metaphorically because I'm a human, right? I'm going to have these things. But I think people that are successful recognize that failure and things that we come up against, everybody deals with them. And it's all how you get back up. Or if you need time to step away, it's okay too. We're not all warriors all the time. Sometimes we have to step away, take some time for ourselves, regroup, and then stand back up again. Now, with all of that being said, we talked on the last show about you being you know, globally awarded, you know, artist, uh, you're an author, you're now a very sought after public speaker. You've even got awards for your business. So I, I know that I asked you, you know, to some degree, did you, did you see all of this coming? Did you plan for it? Um, what does it feel like now to look back and say, Hey, I've accomplished so much that other able-bodied people haven't accomplished You know, I'm humbled by it all, to be honest with you. I'm really, it always kind of shocks me to see where I'm at, but it, but it also, because I know I am tenacious and I go after everything. I just do. I take, I take risks. I turn things around. Like I had, I had some guy today write me and, um, from a really like well-known website and he was trying to sell me his services. And I'm like, well, I don't need those kinds of services, but his services could benefit me. He's trying to sell those services to my clients. Like we provide this and you could provide this with the clients. And I just wrote back and I sold myself right back. I was like, well, I'm a disabled business owner and this is what I do. Perhaps you'd want to, you know, (laughs) and it's just, it's an opportunity. And I think because I've lived my life on the edge of dying so often. I mean, even in the moment, I mean, life is fleeting. Like we talked about in the, you know, the other episode, life is fleeting for everybody. We don't know from one minute to the other, but it's a lot closer for me. So everything for me, like I walk outside and I'm enamored by, you know, the moon, the sun, um, seeing an animal, a bird, the whole world to me is just a really beautiful place. And when I got on a feeding tube formula back in 2012, I had a lot of health progression because I got nutrients that I was limited in. And that's when I really saw, like, it's almost like walking outside and the world was gray. And then all of a sudden the world is colorful. And even, you know, what, 10 years later, I still have that experience of doing that. So it really is about 
just being in that moment, being present, accepting what's happening. But, you know, go for all the things you want. Take take those risks. Wait for somebody to tell you no. Like, I'm fine. Tell me no. But I'm going to ask you. And if I don't ask, I'm not going to know. And, and largely a part of my success of meeting you, you know, being on the cover of Prevention Magazine's website for a week is all because I took risks. It's still shocking to me, though. Like, it's funny. It's like, duh, because I did the work. But also there's a part of like, is this really happening to me? And I feel honored. I feel so thankful to just be able to be in this moment. I never thought I would be able to be here right now. I I, I look at my gray hair in the mirror and at times I actually get really emotional because I'm shocked that I'm here. No, really, Stop. I have, I have okay. a big chunk. Yeah, okay. See this? <laughs> this, is, this is having lived <laughs> for a while. And for those that are listening by audio, we're both pointing at our, well, she's pointing at her hair. I'm pointing at my head. (laughs) There's still hair there, though. It's it's there. Yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. So let's go ahead and talk about now. So we talked on the last show that, you know, a little bit more about the fact that you wanted to be a therapist and you kind of ended up doing this gig now and you've done this now uh, over 20 years Uh, so tell us a little bit more about Rise Visible we did talk a little bit about you know it's a digital marketing uh, organization you do website design SEO uh, but tell us a little bit more about what you do sure so we are a full service digital marketing agency we work with different types of clients and meet them where they are in their their needs So it can be anything from the inception of a business and we're doing their branding, their logo, their messaging, then moving into website design. Maybe it's e-commerce, maybe it's an educational platform. So we build platforms within people's websites rather than them using third parties. We also help them with third parties for educational platforms. You know, we do social media, we do email marketing, and we do, you know, strategy as well as SEO. And it really depends with our clients on what they're needing and, and how we build those packages and how we we build out what they're going to need to get the results that they are looking. And the interesting thing about us is that because of my disease, I was so isolated prior to COVID, like everybody who's dealt with COVID, like I've always mentioned, like doesn't matter what you believe or your political views, whatever. COVID's changed the world. It just has. And before COVID happened, I was already isolated. I was already having to find different ways to communicate and show up. So digital marketing is an amazing opportunity. And it's why part of the reason I love it and why I'm great at it, because I've had to do it. I didn't get to go out to networking groups and be present. I had to find digital opportunities before we even had Zoom to make things happen for me and my client. So very, uh, very informative. Now I've, you know, of course I've been poking around your site. I've been looking at a whole bunch of stuff. So of course I have a lot of questions because I, first of all, don't do marketing and most of my listeners know that. Uh, But you don't just do digital marketing in the sense that we all know it in terms of, you know, noobs like me. Because we're just like, okay, put a website up, make sure it's responsive, make sure it looks good on the phone as well as the website. But you go beyond that where you do a lot of stuff 
with branding and design. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So branding branding and design is really important for us as a business because when we're thinking about digital marketing strategy, the way something looks, the way your brand is, the way that you are being presented, all of your messaging is going to be one of the most important parts of your digital marketing strategy. And often people will come to us that are poorly branded and they're like, build a strategy for us. We're like, we really need to talk about that first, <laughs> you know, okay. like you don't look serious or you, your logo doesn't, doesn't reflect your brand or, you know, you are, let's say you're a doctor and you have a logo and your logo is like bright red. Well, there's color psychology that goes along with red is hot, interesting, fun. Bloody. You know, Uncle Marv's is in red. You're live. You're on the air. It has energy. People don't want to go to the doctors and think of red lights and, and red sirens, right? Or That's blood. Why, or blood. <laughs> so they go and they, you know, we lean more towards blues and things like that that are more calming. But these are all, you know, little things that mean a lot in the long run and where we really try to encourage people to make sure that how their brand is represented is really representational. Because your logo and your brand itself, it should speak to what it is. You should know what's happening. You should have some sense of an idea of what is going on here. And if it it does not show that or it's disconnected, people don't take people as seriously. And so that's that's one of the reasons why. And of course, design. I mean, I love, you know, I'm an artist. So it's nice to be on both sides of that. We talked about that last time. You know, being a creative person, being somebody who, you know, paints, I love that. But I'm also super techie. So it gives me that ability to play between the two and actually make things so uh, coherent. Because even in web design, you have web designers and you have web developers. Web developers can make an awesome site that works great, but is not aesthetically attractive at all. And web designers can make a beautiful website that just is a mess to navigate and doesn't work well. So playing with those two worlds and being able to use design to really inform how we move forward with a brand is important for us. So there's a part of me that wants to say, and well, I'm going to say it. Most people looking for a website are basically looking for the cheapest thing out there. Uh, I have to imagine that you're not cheap, um, but I also am thinking, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, that you're not at the really high end of the spectrum either. Because, you know, there are people out there that say, well, it's going to cost you 1500 for a site, and it's basically a one-shot deal, doesn't include maintenance, doesn't include design. <laughs> you know? yeah, I mean, you know, you give us the content, we'll make it look good, but that's pretty much it. So, I, I mean, I've looked at your portfolio, and a lot of them, and it's doesn't look like templates, first of all. So let me say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all look pretty representative of the company that you made the site for. Absolutely. So uh, pricing for us is, I would say that we're mid to high level. And we also work with pricing based on different businesses. So the way we work with a corporate business versus working with a mom and pop business, working versus working with somebody who is an artist, we we do shift and change our pricing a little bit based on those things. And so it really, you know, it depends on the client. It depends on the needs. 
But the other thing that's important to note is over the years, we've shifted that. And I think this this might be something important for, for any small business to hear is in the early stages of doing this and years into it, I did undervalue what I did because of my disability. I was afraid to not be able to make an income. I was concerned that if I priced myself accordingly, that I'd get a lot more no's, which meant I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't go out and get a normal job. That wasn't, an, there was no opportunity for me to do that. And there wasn't as much remote work as there is now over those years of building up that fear. And once I stepped into the, the value and stepped into knowing my 20 years of experience, all the things that I can do and price myself accordingly, two beautiful things happened. One, I actually got more clients. Two, I got more clients that weren't difficult, (laughs) you know? And three, I felt better about the work because I wasn't feeling worn down or in some way taken advantage of because I was pricing myself low just to hope that I could get the job, which is understandable. But if anybody's out there listening to this and you're doing that, really do consider reconsider your pricing model. Really look at your value because it, it can play havoc on your mental wellness. It can play havoc on your relationships if you're not getting what you deserve in, in what you do as a business. But we're not unreasonable. We're definitely, when we've worked with clients, we've heard nothing but really positive about, yeah, okay, that's about right. Or, you know, that's that's good. We can do that. We really haven't heard too many like, oh my gosh, I can't afford that unless, you know, unless right. they're coming to a thing and they're like, I got $200. Can you build me a website? <laughs> you know, like, I yeah. wish I could, but there are builders and you could do that. Yeah. And uh, we just got a comment in the chat uh, confirming that, saying that is so true. Uh, we as technicians in our industry, we talk about pricing all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, we have this big race to the bottom that's kind of happening. You know, everybody assumes that technology prices are just, they're going to come down. Everything should be cheaper. But that's not always the case, especially when there are more and more demands on us to protect the networks and protect, you know, against cyber crimes and stuff like that. So, my listeners will understand that, uh, you know, you need to value your worth based on the, the, you know, the work that you're giving, not on, you know, what, what's John down the street charging and let me try to undercut him. So. Right. And also the other thing is too, when you're coming in looking for a business to work with you, if you're going around looking for the cheapest person, you're going to, you're not going to get the best product. And if you're going to invest in your business, it's really better to take the time to save the money to do it right. Because if you do it crappy, I can't tell you how many clients have come to me and said, I paid X for my website and I'm going to have to redesign it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, if you just came to me first, right? (laughs) And they didn't know me, but you're going to end up double investing, triple investing. And also make sure when you're looking for an agency, we're writing a blog post about this right now, looking for an agency or looking for somebody to do an IT service, really look at their reviews, look at what they've done. Don't just assume because a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people that are professionals that do prey on people that don't know a lot of the lingo or they don't know a lot about these technical services and will take advantage of you. And you need to research that and make sure that they're vetted, they've got good reviews, 
you know, maybe you ask your friends to give you a referral, but I mean, this is in any business uh, relationship you're going to build with anybody. You want to make sure that who you're working with is who they say they're going to work, what they're going to do. And also the high delivery. If people are like, I'll get you on Google on the front page in two months. We're like, when people are putting out their unreasonable things that seem too good to be true, that is a big red flag. Yeah. So there was two things here. I want to go back real quick when we talked about raising prices. So I remember the first time I did a significant price change and I went to my biggest client and for back then I was still charging hourly for everything. And I raised my hourly rate 30 bucks an hour. And I remember that business owner looking at me and saying, Mavi, I got to eat. <laughs> and and I looked back at him and said, so do I. <laughs> right. You know, um, I hadn't raised his price in I think four years or five years. And I said, right. I, you know, I got to keep up with stuff too. What was it like for you when you raised your rates for the first time and had to approach that first customer? How, how was that? So I have an interesting story. <clears throat> so I was in a meeting and I knew I was going to say that my rate was higher. I hadn't worked with this client before. And it's very funny because as I was, as they asked me, so what is your, because it was for an hourly job. Usually I will bid things out per project, but sometimes it's hourly and this was hourly. And I had not actually said those words out of my mouth to a client yet. Right. So I'm all like in a meeting and my partner is a business partner, you know, with me and I'm, I'm partially texting him and I'm like, Oh my God, what do I do? Do I tell him the big rate change? And it was about 30 bucks higher than I normally would. And it was within industry standard. And I, I said it out of my mouth. I said, I am this much an hour. And I tripped over my words and he caught it. And he looked at me and he said, you don't usually say that, do you? It's a little higher than you usually say. You look like you're not really confident. And boy, I felt my face get red. I felt completely uncomfortable. But because I have a disability and I have to like learn to navigate the world real quick, like, you know, if I'm on podcasts or I'm whatever, I'm real good at just like, I'll figure it out. In that moment, I was like, what's the best thing to do? And I was like, own it, own it. Absolutely. You know what? You're right, but I know I'm worth it. And I'm stepping into this. And yeah, it's uncomfortable for me to say, but you know what? This is where I'm at. And if, you know, you don't want to work with me because of that, that's okay. And he said, no, I'm not going to challenge that for you. I uh, I accept that. But I just wanted to point out you looked a little uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for but pointing I, that out. <laughs> my face was so, I was like hot. I'm like, oh, because it was, it was like this little, I could tell that it wasn't clear. It wasn't confident. I didn't come in and go, I am this much an hour. I was like, I'm this much an hour. Don't say no. <laughs> you know. Oh. So how long ago was that when you, when you did that? That was about two years ago. Oh, just two years ago. Okay. Have you, have you raised rates again since? Last year. Okay. Yep. All right. And you said not much resistance. So. No, there's not been any resistance at all. It's actually been shocking. Every time I get off a call or I secure another, you know, a thing we're working with, I kind of like go, oh, that, you know, because there's a self-worth thing. There really is when we. You know, when we when we're doing something in the world and we're delivering something also that we like to do and that we love and we want to help people. I think that's the thing for me. I want to help people. I want to be reasonable. 
you know, I don't want to like make people feel like I'm going to gouge you for, you know, my services, but there's a fine line between, you know, underselling yourself and, you know, creating resentment because you're worn out because you're not getting paid enough. Right. Versus really asking for what you were. I mean, I was asking for prices at one point after 15 years that were still college level prices for people. And I actually had a client call me out on it and said, oh, yeah, well, the person I worked with before was like three times higher than you. Great. It would be great to work with you. Your work's better than his. And I was like, shoot, (laughs) this is not good. Yep. I actually had a customer call me, not call me out, but basically tell me you need to raise your rates. And I was like, I think I'm pretty fair. And they said, yeah, you might be. But the people that, and this was a situation where I was coming in sub subcontracting for another company that were just, and she said, the work that they do and the work that you do is night and day. You're better than them. So charge more. And I said, okay. Yeah. When your clients start telling you you should charge more, that's a pretty big indicator, yeah, right? It is. So I want to jump off of this onto another segment because you also do podcast and blogging and this, God, we've been talking what over a month. And I remember one of the first things that I pointed out that I was going to ask you was you did either a show or a podcast about why using Canva is not a good idea for your business. And I'm like, uh, I use Canva. <laughs> no, no, it's only for a logo. Only no. for a logo. Okay. Only for logos. All right. So I'm very pro Canva. I think Canva is amazing. As somebody who's been using the Adobe suite since before it was the Adobe suite, you right. know, um, I was very ugh, about Canva. I had a bit of a, like, I'm a graphic designer. <laughs> That's this right. Ridiculous. Like, uh, but then, of course, because I'm an innovative person and I, you know, I'm I'm not really somebody who rejects new technology, just like AI, you know, that's a new thing. And I see a lot of positives about that, of course, negatives, too. I went ahead and I stepped into that. And how I found that that benefited me and other businesses is because a lot of uh, business owners that I work with work in Canva. And I can go in and create social media designs and decks for them. Simple stuff like that, not print stuff. We're not talking like, you know, logos and business signage, but, you know, things that they can just show on post, uh, share and post on social media that they can kind of edit and create templates with themselves or they can edit those templates. And so that's really great. So I love Canva for that. But one thing I did notice is that people will design logos in Canva. And the thing about logos is you have to really think about trademarking. You have to think about all of these legalities, because if you go to Canva, Canva actually has a whole page of like legal nonsense that tells you exactly what you can and cannot do. And logo creation is really not something you want to do for a serious business. Now, if you're somebody you're like, okay, I'm just doing this little tiny project and it's not a big deal. That's fine. But if you're really branding yourself, if you're looking to like, I'm going to be a business, I'm a serious business, I'm going to be registering as a business, I'm going to have a tax ID number, then you really do need to have a logo that's not going to get you in trouble because it's also not going to be unique. They have all these pre-made logos in Canva, all these pre-made pieces. 
when we think about logos and branding, you need to be unique. You don't want to be cute. You don't want to be confused with somebody else. You don't want some, because I see that all the time. I see these people and I'm like, oh, that's a Canva piece. That's a Canva (laughs) piece in their logo. And it creates no unique abilities. But I think the biggest part of that is legalities. You want to make sure in your business that you make sure that you don't do anything. Because what if somebody created something, they trademark it, and all of a sudden you create something similar and now you're in for a lawsuit. It's just not worth it. You know, doing that, doing that's not worth it. But Canva is amazing. Canva is the woman who created it is a, is a genius. Oh, you know, the owner. I don't know her, Oh, but I know okay. her story. I wish I knew her. <laughs> Dropping that like, yeah, the woman, yeah. <laughs> you know, my friend, my colleague, you know, anyway, no, her story is amazing. Very young very innovative kind of like the lady that uh, created Harry Potter, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my. So, okay. So I will, well, I don't have a logo, so which, Mm. which thank you for not commenting on my website and stuff. Cause I'm sure oh, I, I don't open my mouth and let people, unless people ask, but if people ask, you better watch out because I'm going to tell you the truth. <laughs> okay. I'm I, I come from Michigan. I don't have a filter. So don't really ask me something. I don't, don't, know I don't have a filter either. And you guys better beat Ohio state this year. Or there's going to be some, <laughs> <laughs> some heads are rolling. Uh, so on some of your other stuff, there was a question I was going to ask you. Um, specifically related to SEO, because you just recently put out, was it a book, an uh, a ebook? That's a ebook. Uh, SEO is not what you think. And you mentioned earlier that we all get wrapped up in this whole idea of I want to be first on Google or on the first page of Google, right below the ads, and how can I organically get there and stuff? And everybody just sees, you know however you can buy clicks or whatever to get that as SEO or keywords and stuff. So I'm not going to ask you to tell us everything that's in the book, but what's like, what's the one key thing that we should know about SEO? That's not what we think it is. Well, kind of like you had said, I think the one thing that I, I hear and I experience this again this week where we built a website for somebody and then, you know, it had been over a month and the person called me and said, I'm not showing up on Google. And I was like, did you, did you think you were going? Well, yeah, I thought, you know, if you build a website, it's going to show up on, on Google. And I'm like, doesn't work like that. Um, and then I had to explain it. And so the thing is with SEO is people think that it's really segmented into keywords. They really think that it is all about, you know, buying links and link building. When really it is this big puzzle of pieces that all work together to create something that Google is going to rank or other search engines are going to rank. So if a SEO company, you know, comes in and they're not looking at how your website is designed because UX and UI, user experience and user interface affects the opportunity for people to stay on your website, your call to action, all of those things are actually a part of SEO. And people think it's often just back end. Like I make sure the keywords are there and I got to make sure I have a Google my business and all of those are great. But there's a lot of front end stuff that goes on. Just just bounce rates alone. If your site isn't something that people are going to find interesting or want to click through and stay on, 
Google's going to look at that and assume that what your content is providing isn't quality, as well as keeping things up to date and regularly posting content. So people like you who are regularly, regularly posting podcasts are creating content regularly. And that's important too. Static websites can rank, like if you're a service provider and you're not really doing anything, but adding quality blog posting or podcasting can really help your SEO, but also doing that in an optimal way. So for example, blogs, Google recently just put this out. It is, I can't think of the name of the update right now, but it's basically like, it's not about the SEO, it's about the people. Like stop worrying about doing everything to convince SEO that you like it, you know, that that the SEO is going to work. Google favors content that's quality. Google favors content that is authoritarian, authoritarian. I can't say Authoritative? Thank you. <laughs> Yay, I helped. <laughs> that's right. Hey, I just learned in the last two years that I have a list. So, so that's new to me. I was like, oh, really? I do. No one told me. I'm 44. Thank you very much. Um, but anyway, so, you know, it has authority. It, it has trustworthiness. And the more that people can look at the, the content that you're providing and you are becoming a resource, the more likely you are going to get organic backlinks. You are going to get people who are connecting with you. Don't ever buy backlinks. That's, that's the other thing I want to tell people. Don't do it. Just don't. There's so many people out there willing to like work with companies that are doing an, an black hat SEO. And that these are tactics that can get you in big trouble, get you banned off Google. And you can't repair that. You just can't. I mean, you there is abilities to repair, but it's kind of like the damage is done. You're never going to be clean and squeaky and be on the first page. You know, it's never going to happen. There's no there's no long game. And SEO is a long game. It's not something that happens in a month, two months. It is a step-by-step process by looking at all of these different pieces and putting them together specifically for the industry, specifically for the audience. There's no like overall, this is the checklist for you to do. It is a very scientific spelled out pieces and parts that are put together by a really great agency that knows what they're doing. So you don't get yourself in trouble. You can do SEO to yourself. I want to say that I would say that too. There are things that you can do in research online, a little things that you can do yourself. Simple alt tags. Make sure that all of your images on your website have alt tags. Don't what's, know what they are. What's look them up. Okay. I was uh, gonna say what's well, an alt I'll tag. I'll tell you, but if you want to like obviously understand it more in depth, right. look it up. It is a description of what an image is on a website. So when Google crawls a website, they don't see it like you and I. They don't see the text and the image and how it looks. It's crawling, it's crawling the code. So if you have an image on the back that's 12356.jpg and it doesn't have a description of that image, Google has no idea what it is. It's like, oh, what does that mean? So if you have, like right now, I have my website open to recession-proof tips over here. I have a little little kid holding this like arrow that's going down and he's got money and he looks like he's sad. So I would write a description that says, you know, seven-year-old boy holding an arrow down, looking sad. And you'd create a description. And the more descriptive text you have on your site, 
gives Google the ability to know what your site's about. Okay, I'm sorry, but I'm Googling because <laughs> I'm like, uh, I, nobody's ever told me that. Yeah, it's basic, right. pretty basic. And it's funny because it's one of the most basic SEO things that you know pretty much anybody can do on their own. And I can't tell you how many clients come to me and said, I worked with an SEO agency for six months and I pull up and run their website and I, not even the basic things like that are done. All right. I'm, uh, what do you want to know? What are you Googling? Well, it's <laughs> so here's the thing. So I, so, all right. So I did a whole thing a couple of years ago where I spent the entire month of March bringing in marketing companies for our industry. And well, first of all, I know this is going to sound horrible, but one of them was just absolute train wreck. Why is that horrible? There are plenty of businesses that are train wrecked. Yeah, but you know, but I mean, it, it was one of those. It was one of those podcasts where after it was aired, people were like, "Why'd you have him on?" And I was like, "Oh," but I learned that you know, basically, he was doing a lot of the stuff that you talked about not to do. He was telling everybody on you know how to do the backlinks. And how to do? Uh, there was more to it, and sure, sure. But, but yeah, these are important things. things for people not to be told wrong. Absolutely right. not, because it can it can really ruin. We only do white hat SEO, so there's black hat SEO, and there's white hat SEO, and then there's gray hat SEO. Okay, and gray hat's kind of like in that's, the middle. That's a whole black show. Hat. That's a whole huh? show. That's a whole show. Because I mean, <laughs> you've got a whole bunch of questions, and I just had my re- website redone. And I, I can look at images and I can see there's no description of my pictures. Actually, you know what? Half my pictures aren't there. I think I need to talk to my web people. Okay, let's move on before okay, I get know. somebody in trouble here. Um, so let me at least go back and ask one more question that I think you're going to be like, I can't tell you everything, but bounce sure. rates. What's a what bounce rate? What's, what's a bounce rate? Oh, a bounce rate is when somebody goes to your website, if they leave it quickly. So if somebody goes to your website and it doesn't load fast, load fairly fast, you know, we have about six seconds to get somebody's attention on a website. If they're like, eh, it's not loading and they leave, they look at it, they're not interested right off the bat, they leave. Your bounce rate is how quickly someone leaves. And so the more quickly people just automatically jump off your website and say, mm, this isn't for me, or maybe they go in one page and then they leave. Those create penalties, basically. Not anything that you're going to, I'm not, you know, Google's not going to like ban your website, but it makes your site look that look like, oh, people aren't getting what they need. So they're not going to favor that site over another site that has a lower bounce rate because somebody went to it and they were like, oh, this is interesting. And they're sticking around. It's quality content. It's really that, you know, conversation you're having as, as a website with your visitors, because People, people often look at their websites and they have opinions about it, but really the opinions about websites are really how your visitors are viewing it more than how much you like it, how you think it looks. It's not really your opinion or my opinion. It's we really design based on your audience, what's going to gather their attention, what's going to keep them on the page, what's going to be interesting to them, how are they going to perceive what they're seeing. It's the it's the user experience that's so important to keep that bounce rate low. All right. Well, we'll have to talk more about that. <laughs> I know there's so much to unpack. <laughs> uh, and I know we were going to do a talk about that recession proof your business, but I want <laughs> I want to get to something positive. 
Okay. Yeah. You, you do a what recession? There's no recession. <laughs> Not yet. We're it's fine. coming. We just finished the elections. We just survived election day here in Florida. There was no hanging chads. I feel pretty good. <laughs> good. <laughs> I don't know how Oregon felt, but uh, actually, are your polls still open? We, I think there's, I, we just found out who our governor is now. Oh. It was so close. It took a long time for us to kind of get our. Is it the same governor that you had or a new one? No, it's a new governor. Oh. And I believe we haven't had a different partied governor in 40 years. So we haven't really switched back and forth. We've been primarily one party for 40 years and we didn't change. It was close, though. It was the first time in numerous years that it was it was really close. and We've never had that happen here. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Florida, you know, we have a whole history of our governorship and we won't get into that because we try not to talk politics here. That's right. That's why I didn't say any details. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's, uh, yeah, we're coming close here. So let's talk about your your pro bono program because I, I wanted to highlight that. I think that's pretty fantastic what you do. So it's interesting because we were talking about raising rates, right? And one of the issues that I had with raising rates is I wanted to make sure that I was still including people that couldn't afford my agency rates, couldn't afford, you know, the rate that I'm, that I deserve and what that I, what I do or what my other contractors do that work with me. And I thought, well, what can I do to balance that out? Like, what can I do to make myself feel like I'm not just automatically saying to somebody who comes in with, let's say $500, they're very, you know, small, independent, local artisan and they're like, this is all I have, you know, or it's an, it's a marginalized group of people that are needing help, or it's a nonprofit that needs help and doesn't have the kind of funds. And so that's how I decided to balance the, the, the raising of my rates was providing a pro bono program so that I could help people who needed it and be able to provide free services that are donated by people in our community that want to help underserved communities so that I can make my bills, make the money I want, get paid for the 20 plus years of experience I have in what I'm doing, but also not leave out a group of people that I feel so strongly that I'm a part of being somebody who's disabled. You know, I really want to make sure that people have opportunities and that I'm not out of reach for everybody. All right. So we just can't fit everything in. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask you to come that. back again. Uh, I do want to at least point out, folks, that not only does she do the pro bono stuff, uh, I mentioned early that she is also a, I'm going to say world renowned. I don't know if that's the right word to say. I know globally awarded is what yes, we see everywhere, but, but I think world renowned is. It's much better sounding. So I'm going to put links in the show notes. It's actually uh, on the last show as well to AnyaKhan.com. That's right. (laughs) Um, Anya and Khan is spelled Wrath of Khan style. And uh, that's where all your your art is. You also uh, created the uh, createforhealing.com site as well. So a lot of places where people can go and and learn more about you. And I know that we actually, this episode, talked a lot about your business. 
And I wanted to do that to show that, you know, yes, you have your start in life Mm -hmm. with your disabilities and that you rose above that. Um, and, And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that there are people that can meet you, work with you and not even know that you have a disability. That's right. But you do. That's right. Um, but it doesn't define you. No, absolutely not. I have plenty of other unique, strange things that define my human. <laughs> Ask the people in my life. They'll tell you all about it. <laughs> all right. Let's not open that can of worms right now. <laughs> um, so Anya Khan, Rise Visible. And did I ask you if the way that you named your business was that concept where I said, you know, you rose above all your disabilities and stuff. Is that where the name came from? Did I ask you that? No, you didn't. Okay. Um, But that's a great take on it. I think it just applies to a lot of things is, you know, when we chose the name, we actually went through a rebranding this past year. So in May I shifted our other name. It was, it was a very challenging name. My name's already hard to say. (laughs) As as noted by me earlier. Four vowels, one consonant, and then they're like Unaya, and then you know Khan's easy to say, but then they screw up the first part. So then I become Kuhn somehow. There's a U in my last name, and then our old business name was actually very difficult to say. I didn't care when I started; I liked it. It was cool, it was interesting. But being a branding expert, I can't literally have a brand that people can't say. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, well, how am I going to be training and teaching and helping? When I'm not even walking the walk here. So we shifted and we sat down. Very hard to find names right now, especially in digital marketing and creativity that are two words that you can get on social, that you can get domain names for. I mean, it took a lot of time. But once we came to it and those words came together, it was kind of what you said. It's rising up, being visible. It is getting opportunities that you might not have. It's it's finding the ability to lift people up through digital marketing, through community, through through all different endeavors. Okay, so another question just popped up. You said two words. Was that intentional that you said we wanted it to be two words? Correct. And I understand easily found on the internet, easy, easily, you know, converted to a domain name, but why, why two words? Because the shorter your name, the more important you look. Get out. So, you know, Nike, it's one word, you know, think of all the, a lot of the big brands. A lot of the big brands are one word. When you start adding a bunch of words in, if I said, you know, it's uh, rise visible marketing, now I've added another word to it. But now anytime people type in Rise Visible, they don't have to type in marketing to find us. We're just these two words. Mm. The more that you add to it. So let's say you take the name Light Owl, Light Owl Design, Light Owl Agency, Light Owl this, Light Owl that. But if you're Light Owl, you're the Light Owl. And everybody else is the people that are adding other parts on that, right? So, and we also took Rise Visible, you know, marketing. We have that as well. We don't just have Rise Visible. But the shorter the name, the shorter the domain name, the the more impact that it has. And there's nothing wrong with three names that have three to them. Most people have to go there. Plenty of big agencies, plenty of big businesses have three word names. Okay. 
thought you were going to start rattling off all the names, you know, Nike, Oprah, Madonna, <laughs> Prince. <laughs> right? Yeah, but they probably didn't get that way. Well, no, I guess they started that way. Interesting. See, that's Shorter why the name, the better. That's why you're the branding Shorter. specialist. You can brand, you can help brand Uncle Marv. I can do that. Do that. And, you know, you mentioned maybe me coming back. So ask your people, do you want me to come back? Come entertain you. I'm a, you know, <laughs> I, I do this show for me. <laughs> so. Okay, good. Well, don't worry about the people. They get to, you want me to come back? I'll they get back. to benefit from the, the knowledge that I glean in finding great guests like you. And uh, it uh-huh. should be fantastic. So, well, uh, let's go ahead and end off. We are going to stay uh, for some post shows. Yep. So those that are watching live, hang on and you'll be able to see that. But for everyone else that's listening by audio, thank you for downloading and listening and hopefully subscribing to the show for other great episodes. Head over to itbusiness.com. That was about as short as a domain I could get. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Uh, and you'll be able to find this episode. Be sure, if you've not, to go back to listen uh, to Anya in episode 455. And uh, Anya, this has been great. And uh, yeah. appreciate, appreciate all your insight. It. I appreciate you sharing your story. I said this last time that, you know, to go through all that you went through and to be at a place where you're comfortable sharing, um, I think, shows a lot to your success. That, you know, most people, I don't even know how to describe, you know, because everybody thinks, you know, success is like instant and it's not. Um, life is not instant. I mean, there are some things that happen, like you could win the two point billion lottery or whatever it is now. Uh, but most of us have to just, you know, step by step, make things happen. And you did. So I, I applaud you for that. I appreciate that. Thank you for the acknowledgement. All right, folks, we're going to end off the show here again. Thank you very much. We'll be back next week. Um, I will survive. As you can see, I am surviving Hurricane Nicole. And we'll be back again next week to do this. And until then, holla. 